After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shevet Labada, Ani Nimtaba Maha, Libi Ubet Aksha, Oleani Elea, Mena Sheketa Vanea, Olechbarehovot, Nergashmea Oro.
מבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. אני מאמין בניסים, אני יודע שיש אלוקים, והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם שומע.
JM in the AM, hooked on Hanukkah uh, with O Hanukkah. And we're dedicating that with a Mazel Tov wish to Aliza and Yosef Wartelski. Aliza and Yosef Wartelski, brand new baby boy in Far Rockaway, New York. Mazel Tov to Aliza and Yosef Wartelski, brand new baby boy. Got a great phone call this morning. Um, and uh, again, they are in Far Rockaway, New York, celebrating the birth of their newborn Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Want to say hi to listener Joe, who is tuned in from Tzvat, and apparently everybody's dancing to the music that we are playing out there in Tzvat, Israel. Unbelievable. So close to Shabbos, and they're tuned in to the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as we get set to uh, present an amazing JM in the AM broadcast on this Friday morning, the Friday before Hanukkah, the Friday after the big announcement by the president, of the United States of America, uh, Friday where we are still celebrating Jerusalem being recognized by the United States as a capital, a Friday where this celebration does in fact continue. By the way, <laughs> this is going to seem mundane to so many people out there. New York City residents, today is December 8th, and that means that alternate side of the street parking regulations are suspended in New York City today, and I know that that's a very valuable piece of information for a lot of people especially on a Friday. So keep that in mind. They are suspended today, and again, that could be extremely helpful. Uh, it's Arab, It's Friday morning, December the 8th, the 20th of Kislev, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev with candle lighting time at 4.09 in this area. 4.09, your uh, candle lighting time. And... Um, And Tuesday night, of course, is Hanukkah. Tuesday night, of course, is Hanukkah. And we are set to celebrate as we get closer and closer to the big day. Uh, today's the 20th of Kislev. Tuesday night will be the 25th. And it'll be time to, in fact, celebrate. 36 degrees with 52% humidity. Winds are west at 8 miles an hour. Clouds today, a high, high 43. Is it really supposed to snow tomorrow? I mean, I, I, according to our forecast, three to five inches in this area. What is this, Houston, Texas? Houston had some snow. You saw that? Um, you were discussing it with Yoni Pollock of Houston, Texas the other day. Yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, looks like a snowstorm for tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. That could that could really affect our plans. Big YU game tomorrow night up at Yeshiva University. After their uh, heartbreaking loss last night on the road. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. See how much snow falls, in fact. Anyway, uh, a high tomorrow, only 35. Yerushalayim, uh, the capital of Israel for the last uh, 3,000 years. Uh, 53 degrees here in uh, New York City, 36 on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honeline, just over an hour from now, weekly update. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15. Rabbi Einhorn from California at 8.40 Eastern time about the fires and everything happening out there. And, of course, a full day today, as you would imagine, a full day with a massive thank you to our friends at Kedem who have uh, so much invested in Fridays here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We cannot thank them enough. Um, so, uh, make sure to just keep the Nahum Single Network on until candlelighting time. Just keep it on all day long. You'll be so glad you did. I'm telling you, 
You'll be so glad you did. Plenty more coming up. 28 minutes before the hour. A special good morning to Dafyomi Yid, who I bet is tuned in. Spoke to him last night. Very excited about our Friday broadcast. And plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Thank you. 
Friday morning, it's JM in the AM. Schar Mitzvah is done by uh, Mordechai Shapiro. Solomon Brothers had a main anili mili lechadodi from Derech Achim. You heard Micha Gamerman in there with Maya Didos. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev with candle lighting at 4.09, less than an hour away from our weekly update as we continue to celebrate the amazing news from Washington, recognition by the United States of America through its president, through our president, Donald Trump, of uh, Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. How significant is this? It'll be a conversation, that's for sure, in our weekly update coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll have that for you coming up here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15, 8.40, or by Einhorn joins us from California. We'll talk about the fires out there. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock with Table for Two. Um, cookbook author Miriam Pascal and marketing manager of Brooklyn's New Allenby restaurant, Adina Schloss, both joined Naomi this morning, starting at 9 a.m. Then the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, our Erev Shabbos music mix, and plenty more all through the day. This is one of those days where you want to leave it on the Nahum Single Network all day long. Simple as that. This coming Tuesday night, the holiday of Hanukkah, we are getting ready. How about some Hanukkah music at JM in the AM?
מלחמות שעשית לאבותינו. בימים ההם בזמן הזה
JM and the AM. Isaac Betone, that's the uh, Lachado D uh, from Mariah Mehemna here at the JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. We have our news from Israel coming up. I want to thank, um, speaking of news from Israel, I want to thank Yaakov Katz, uh, editor of Jerusalem Post, for joining us yesterday here at uh, JM in the AM. If you missed any of that conversation, of course, the archive section, NahumSiegel.com has it. And uh, he gave us uh, he gave us some analysis regarding the president's decision this week, president of the United States' decision this week regarding Jerusalem. Uh, more coming up in terms of analysis. Uh, weekly update, Malcolm Honeline, 740 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. We'll get into the uh, topic of the um, policy shift by the United States of America regarding Jerusalem. Uh, we'll do that coming up at 7.40 this morning. Uh, Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 and uh, Rabbi Einhorn from California coming up at uh, 8.40. We'll talk about the fires out there and the situation in the uh, community. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomskill.com. On the Nachum Segal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galit Tzal in the background. We got our news from Israel coming up on this Arab Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev with candle lighting time at 4.09 on this Arab Shabbos. Tuesday night is Hanukkah. Tuesday night is Hanukkah, so Wednesday will be our first day of Hanukkah musical celebration. Make sure to join us, everybody. The Brooklyn Nets have announced that on Sunday, December the 17th, They'll have a Hanukkah celebration at Barclays Center. Information, jewishprospectheights.com. Jewishprospectheights.com for information about Jewish Heritage Night at the Barclays Center. Again, it's happening Sunday, December the 17th, which is um, which is the uh, Sunday of Hanukkah. There'll be basketball, menorah lighting, a special Jewish singer, and much, much more. Information, jewishprospectheights.com. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Friday next to J.M. and M. Galay Tzal, Shash Time, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Akshav. מאות בני אדם מפגינים בשעה זו עם סיום תפילות יום השישי במסגדים. בשטחים הפלסטינים מדווחים על 50 בני אדם שנפגעו במהלך העימותים. כתבתנו כרמל דנגור. בתקשורת הפלסטינית מדווחים על כ-50 נפגעים במהלך העימותים, רובם משאיפת גז. בשלב זה מוקדי העימות המרכזיים הם חברון, קבר רחל וקלנדיה. כוחות הביטחון מגיבים באמצעים לפיזור הפגנות נגד המתפרים. הפרות סדר מתקיימות גם בעזה, עשרות פלסטינים מבעירים צמיגים סמוך לגדר המערכת. במחאה על ההכרה האמריקנית בירושלים. ובירושלים עצמה מאות מפגינים בשער שכם. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר מדווח ממוקד ההפגנה. כאן בשער שכם מפגינים מאות בני אדם שהגיעו למקום עם סיומן של התפילות בהר. בדקות אלו החלו עימותים עם הכוחות במקום, חפצים הושלכו לעבר הכוחות וכמה מפגינים נעצרו. כוחות הביטחון פרוסים בכוחות גדולים כאן, בכל רחבי מזרח העיר וכן במוקדים מרכזיים במערב העיר. התפילות בהר התקיימו ללא הגבלת גיל, ובמהלכן הונחו דגלי אש"ף ודגלי טורקיה. תהלוכה של מפגינים צעירים שביקשו להגיע מהר לכאן, לשער שכם, פוזרה על ידי המשטרה עד כאן. בתוך כך תנועת פתח טוענת כי הודעת נשיא ארצות הברית היא הכרזת מלחמה לעם הפלסטיני. כתבנו לענייני ערבים, ג'קי חוגי. דובר הפתח אוסאמה קוואסמה מאשים את נשיא ארצות הברית כי בהחלטותיו פגע אף באומה האסלאמית ובאומה הערבית. 
החלטתו באה במלאת מאה שנים להצהרת בלפור, כך דובר הפתח, מי שאין לו זכות, העניק למי שאינו זכאי. ילד כבן תשע נפגע מרכב בירושלים, מצבו בינוני והוא פונה לבית החולים הדסה עין כרם. בבאר שבע הולך רגל כבן עשרים נפצע באורח בינוני לאחר שנפגע מרכב. צוות מגן דוד אדום העניק לו טיפול רפואי ופינה אותו לבית החולים סורוקה עם פגיעה רב מערכתית. פרסום ראשון, תלונה הוגשה במשטרת ישראל נגד הבימאי הצרפתי רומן פולנסקי על איומים, סחיטה והתחזות. את התביעה הגיש מתן עוזיאל, ישראלי שבעבר נתבע בעצמו על ידי פולנסקי, לאחר שפתח אתר אינטרנט בו קרא לנשים לספר כיצד הבימאי הטריד אותן מינית. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. רומן פולנסקי הגיש נגד העיתונאי הישראלי תביעת לשון הרע על כי הוא מפרסם נגדו עדויות קטינות בעולם על הפגיעות המיניות לכאורה שביצע בהן פולנסקי. בצהריים הגיש העיתונאי מתן עוזיאל תלונה למשטרה נגד פולנסקי בתביעה לעצור אותו כשיגיע לדיון בתביעה בשבוע הבא. באמצעות עורך הדינו רוני סדובניק אמר לגלי צה"ל כי הוא לא יירתע מתביעת ההשתקה של פולנסקי והוא נחוש להביא להסגרתו של עבריין המין לשלטונות ארצות הברית. תחזית מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, אך עדיין קר מהרגיל לעונה, מחר צפויה התחממות נוספת. אלה החדשות שעורכת תום ויינטראו בלוק, בצוות אילנה בנימין ונועם ברלכיס.
Till I can sing these songs again So I'll take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes and I can say Come join with me my friends Gonna run and all I share
Jam in the AM, Friday morning hour of Shabbos. Leave Tahor with Lachadodi. Yep, Leif Tahar with Lachad Odi. Friday morning, we'll uh, do the weekly update about a half hour from now and uh, get Malcolm Holmline's perspective on the events of this week. Make sure to be tuned in here at JM in the AM. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app. A lot of great comments so far this morning. Record-breaking week, by the way, for comments on our app. Record-breaking week. And I am uh, I am thrilled. Uh, Yoni in Ramat Bey Chemesh says, RBS loves us. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. A uh, playlist of today's show. Yeah, I mean, anybody wants a playlist of today's show, it's relatively easy. I know it's not complete. Oh, you know what? I will I will put the uh, address uh, for the um, playlist of today's show. I will put it in the uh, app so those who, uh, who want to access it can. That'll probably be the easiest way to do it. All right, so we'll do that coming up. Um, I want to thank listener EB. Says they're really enjoying the music. And the Yitzchak wants to hear music from Uri Davidi. We'll try to do that coming up here at JMNAM. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev. Kendall lighting at 4.09 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.09. Um, tomorrow night. Oh, so many papers here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so many things in front of me. Heartbreaking loss last night for the... Uh, Yeshiva University Maccabees men's basketball heartbreaking buzzer beater um, on the road tomorrow night they start at eight thirty against Maritime up at the um, Max Stern Athletic Center. We're gonna try to be there. Snowstorm tomorrow supposedly in the New York area. Yeah, I read three to five inches. My gosh, that could alter our Saturday night plans, can't it? Uh, Talmud Torah Flatbush uh, presents Rabbi Tzvi Ram this coming. Saturday night, tomorrow night, starting at 8 p.m. He's the rabbi of the Bialystoker Shul here on the Lower East Side. He's the uh, administrator of the Manhattan based in dealing with Gayrus and instructor of Talmud at IBC at Yeshiva University. Uh, he'll speak on the topic of loving converts, loving converts. Tomorrow night, Congregation Talmud Torah of Flatbush, uh, 1305 Coney Island Avenue between Avenue Zion J in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so get ready for that. Um, Sunday night, I hope to be at the FIDF event in New Jersey. Uh, special guest is Avi Izakaroff, co-creator of the Netflix series Fauda. Do I have to binge watch that before Sunday night? Like I binge watched, um, soon by you before the conversation on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, Do I have to binge watch that, uh, FIDF New Jersey at the Teaneck Marriott in Glen Point this coming, uh, Sunday night, FIDF.org slash NJ Gala. FIDF.org slash NJ Gala. Check it out and enjoy. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's JM in the AM as we continue here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Wish Lock Rock. Shem Echad 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on the Zerv Shabbos. Ivriyan Ochi, of course, that's uh, Benny Friedman here. 
at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard um, Kinderlach with Anna Bekoach. Machar was done by Mordechai Shapiro, dedicating that to a very special listener. Uh, Schlockrock and Lachadodi off a Shabbat in Liverpool. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting 409, Hanukkah Tuesday night. Weekly update minutes away, eight minutes away officially here at JM in the AM. We already posted on uh, Facebook that everybody can utilize all the regular methods, NahumSiegel.com, uh, the NSN app, um, 605-562-4400, 605-562-4400 to access today's weekly update. And of course, then in addition to that, you have the uh, archives later on today where you can listen on demand. Uh, there are many, including myself, who feel it's imperative that we write and call the White House in lieu of President Trump's announcement this week. Those of us who believe that it's been a uh, historic week and a great week, uh, he needs to be thanked. And we cannot avoid the importance or neglect the importance of thanking the President of the United States. If, in fact, you agree with me, then take down the following information to uh, call the President of the United States comment line and leave a comment regarding um, the uh, activities or the uh, action of this week, 202-456-1111, 202-456-1111. You can email the President, whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact and according to this information we have and it, and it says it's from the Trump White House so I guess it's up to date uh, you can still I didn't realize this you can still send a regular letter to the White House include your return address on the letter as well as your envelope uh, if you have an email consider including that as well and make sure the full address of the White House is um, on the envelope so that you're Message gets to the White House ASAP, and the address is the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20500. Again, the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, capital N, capital W, Washington, D.C., 20500. So we must write and call the White House. Do it today. Don't wait anymore after this weekend. Uh, do it today. Call and write the White House. Let them know your reaction to President Trump's announcement, U.S. policy now. Uh, Jerusalem recognized as the capital of the state of Israel. All right? Very important. Keep it in mind and try to do it ASAP. 25 minutes before 8 o'clock. My thanks to Mayor Weingarten. He made sure to get us this song in advance of uh, of JM in the AM. It is uh, Aaron Razel with words from this week's Parsha at JM in the AM. את החיים אנוכי מבקש הגיד הנעלי, הגיד הנעלי איפה הם רואים את החיים אנוכי מבקש הגיד הנעלי, הגיד הנעלי איפה הם רואים את החיים את החיים, אנוכי מבקש את החיים, אנוכי מבקש הגיד הנעלי, איפה, איפה 
מדוע אתם שותקים? מדוע אתם שותקים, רבותיי? מה אתם מחכים? J.M. in the A.M. Do you think that in a week like this, we would go into the weekly update without a celebratory song about Yerushalayim? The great Shlomo Kalbach, Friday morning here at J.M. the A.M. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev, candlelighting at 4.09 on this Erev Shabbos. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. You want to print out a million articles? Well, not a, maybe a million, but a thousand articles about uh, Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos and have them at the ready as you go through the events of the week yourself. Go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com, and uh, be one of the hundreds of thousands that are doing that every single week. All, also, a big thank you to onlysimchas.com. I saw they posted our uh, conversation with Danny Danone yesterday, and I thank them for that. Every day they seem to be able to uh, include our content, which is flattering, frankly, uh, in their news feed, uh, not just smachot, but a great news feed as well. Go to onlysimchas.com. Check it out every single day, onlysimchas.com. Also, before we get to the weekly update... Um, we have been calling on everybody out there to, if, if you are a fan of the action of the president of the United States from this week, if you're a fan, if you like what he did, if you like the new American policy vis-a-vis Jerusalem, we're encouraging everybody to contact the White House and let them know how thrilled you are, please. And do it today. Do it today. First of all, there's a comment line at the White House, 202-456-1111. Again, 202-456-1111. There's also an email that you could send to the White House. Go to whitehouse.gov slash contact. You'll see the email us link is is lit up, underlined, in bold, etc. Again, whitehouse.gov slash contact. Whitehouse.gov slash contact. And I was not under the impression that you could still send regular mail to the White House, but according to this, and again, it looks like it's from the Trump White House, so it's up to date. According to this, you can, in fact, send a regular letter. Um, 
I thought around the time of 9-11 or the anthrax stuff, I, th- I thought it had stopped. But anyway, uh, the bottom line is, according to this, uh, you can send a letter to White House. Uh, type it on an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. You could also handwrite it if you wish. Just neatly, please. Include your return address on the letter and on the envelope. And if you have an email address, try to uh, write that in the letter as well. And include the full address of the White House to make sure your message gets to them as quickly and directly as possible. The address is the White House. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20500. Again, the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, capital N, capital W, Washington, D.C., 20500. After more than two decades of waivers, we are no closer to a lasting peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians, President Donald Trump said on Wednesday. It would be folly to assume that repeating the exact same formula would now produce a different or better result. Therefore, I have determined that it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. President Trump. Um, It's time for the weekly update. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Honline. Mazel tov. An amazing week. Don't you agree that we should be celebrating this week in the Jewish community? I absolutely do agree that we should be celebrating, and I have made this very clear. I want to echo what you said before, and we sent out a Leadership Action Network alert yesterday to to make sure that people understand the importance of showing Hakarat Tov, to show appreciation by there by by writing to the president by making it clear that this is uh, the position of the Jewish community because the naysayers get their voices heard they and the media has been i think largely outrageous constantly putting an emphasis on the threat of violence and asking everybody is there violence is going to be violence which is only meant to stoke the fire because that's the story they get they don't when there's peace and uh, peaceful resolution, and and uh, if there isn't going to be any bloodshed, then they have nothing to cover. It seems rather than focusing on a bold move, one that is just correcting an historic right, it, it doesn't change anything on the ground. It shouldn't evoke any kind of... Uh, I, I understand that there will be angry statements and there can be the disagreements over it, but it, to, to constantly stoke the fires of, of violence as if, you know, wishing that it will come is uh, simply so unacceptable. And I think the the, uh, the other voices have to be heard. The positive statements, the many, many positive statements that came out, you do not hear uh, uh, any virtually any reports outside of some of the Jewish sources of all of the statements that, that were made. And I think that this is um, a, a really a critical aspect of this and it tells you you know why people are so skeptical about news coverage what the president did was something that every presidential candidate has promised to do democratic republican platforms have asserted for decades that the overwhelming vote in 1995 by the congress of the united states allowed to be law by president clinton and uh, only waived because they put in uh, the waiver provision uh, under the presidential prerogative uh, clauses. So beyond that, th- this is is nothing remarkable in terms of 
effect on the ground, changing people's lives. It's a moral statement, I think. And coming the week before Hanukkah, when we celebrate the Judah uh, Maccabee and the Hashmonaim, reasserting sovereignty over Jerusalem, Jewish sovereignty over Jerusalem, I think the symbolism shouldn't be lost on people. Did former presidents comment, as far as you know? The presidents you just alluded to, those who avoided uh, making this move uh, each and every time? Uh, It's a very good point, and uh, I have to say that that I have not seen it, uh, any statements, uh, reported at least, by former presidents. You see uh, all the negative statements reported by other people, but I don't understand how they could be negative when it's something all of them, all of them uh, asserted themselves. So... It it sounds right, right, correct. Uh, Although that doesn't that doesn't necessarily you know. right. Uh, just taking this one step further, it, it outraged many of us that those who are members of the United States House and Senate, who uh, for years and most recently, I believe, just a few months ago, you can correct me if I'm wrong, had endorsed and voted for um, a platforms and votes that included. Jerusalem is capital and moving the embassy. Some of those voices, including some of them Jewish members of the Senate, came out trying to urge President Trump not to make this move. Right. And it's outrageous. It is uh, inexcusable, but we also should acknowledge, and we, if uh, people want, uh, they can contact you, and we will send them both the numbers, by the way, to call the president and how to write the president. It's better to email, uh, but we have this all contained in the one this one uh, note uh, that uh, people can get, we will send it to you the link, and you can get it out to anybody who, who wants it and who will circulate it in the synagogues and in organizations uh, to make their uh, voices heard. But many, many senators, uh, Chuck Schumer, others, came out for it. I'm, I'm talking about Democrats right. as, as well as Republicans, and um, they should be acknowledged. But but I think the... the um, you know, one of the things that we should point out is that this may well be an enhancement to the prospect of peace because, number one, our Arab allies in the region will see that America stands by its friends, that America stands for, to, up to their promises and commitments, that, that the Palestinians will realize that the train is leaving the station, and the more they wait, the more the facts on the ground will dictate the, what the future will be. And... The the um, and so it it could well be an enhancement uh, of the process, and we will see what will will uh, come out. And it's a statement also that, that this is that Israel is there; it's not changing. The facts of Jerusalem are are there, and it didn't preclude. He didn't say what the borders would be. He didn't preclude any arrangement that the parties reach, including about a two-state solution. He said if the parties agree to it. He didn't dictate it. He said and very carefully worded from the way I read it, at least. Uh, you know, so Hamas naturally says it's a declaration of war, and uh, but I think the administration, you know, can, can easily say uh, uh, to, to, to uh, people in the region, to others, we are prepared to play a, a constructive and useful role in what we tell you we will, we will do, but they warned to, the Palestinians not to cancel their talks with Vice President Pence, who right. will be visiting there right. in, a, in a week. All right, there are a couple of things that everybody wants to know um, from your perspective, and, and some of these you know hardcore news items. The president in this speech said that is why, consistent with the Jerusalem Embassy Act, I am also directing the State Department to begin preparation to move the American embassy 
from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. This will immediately begin the process of hiring architects, engineers, and planners so that new embassy, when completed, will be a magnificent tribute to peace. It was at this point during the speech, frankly, that you know my, my arms were raised in victory and a big smile were on a lot of faces here because we felt going into this speech we had heard about the Jerusalem announcement and were thrilled about it, but then we thought we had re- really gotten something extra, a real bonus that he decided uh, to announce the move of the embassy during this speech. In the aftermath, as I'm sure you're aware, the rumor is, and I think it is a hardcore news item at this point, that he did sign after this announcement the waiver for another six months. Could you explain how one reconciles the other? He, he, he had to sign it because the law requires that if you don't move it and you don't sign the waiver, then you endanger 50% of the funding for security for our embassies abroad. That was built into the legislation or built into legislation that was passed and um, to, to try and enhance the process and to, you know, to, per, to urge uh, presidents to, to move the embassy. So there's a penalty that, and to avoid the penalty, he signed the waiver. The, but he did say also that he's going to move, seek to get legislation that will, I guess, essentially remove the waiver uh, provision so he doesn't have to do it again in six months. But it will take years to build an embassy. People who think this is an overnight process, there are various properties that America has, but uh, what the president said is that we're going to have engineers and architects and others that are come in and take a look, see what's possible. Right. I, we, we get all that, but you've given us the impression, and I tend to believe you in this case even more than the president, that in reality, if they wanted to do something overnight to officially make an embassy, that would be you know a makeshift one. They could have done it. Yes, they could, and I asked in the White House yesterday about it, and there was clearly a decision that uh, that they they don't want to do a temporary thing. For one, some people are concerned that that would end up being the the totality, right? That, you know, could go into another president's uh, term or somebody else. Um, yeah, but now we're in danger of getting into another president's term. Now we're in danger of the State Department and those who are opposed to this move. You know, really putting the pressure on to stop all of this. But they're going to. But the process will already begin immediately with. Uh, the planning, the property, the facility, uh, they say it'll take $2 billion to build a, a proper embassy with all the security operations, et cetera. And you can't just move hundreds of people who work in Tel Aviv to to Jerusalem. So, Well, the most, the most promising thing you've told us on this topic is that uh, uh, if, in fact, the, 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 he's working toward eliminating this whole waiver situation, that would be a very good thing. That would, be, that would certainly facilitate... Uh, you know, it, the, the more realistic uh, happenstance that, a, that an embassy will eventually be built, if he, if we could, because if the, these waivers continue, you know, then then the then the back and forth and the uh, you know the, the the entire debate about whether the embassy should move is just going to continue. That's right, and but but he said all of this in his remarks right. that this is the initiation of a construction. He said right. it, in no embassy in the world is built in less than three or four years. Right. That he wants to to limit the taxpayer impact. Yeah, and, I get all this. You understand the confusion for regular folks like no, me. No, 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 he, an, he, announced, he announces this. And, and, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then the 10 minutes later, he's signing a waiver. But now I, now, now we understand. Mm. And I thank you for that. All right, uh, Vice President Pence. Uh, we know that the, the advisors that are typical advisors on Israel, uh, the word is, at least in the media, that they were enthusiastic about it. We know that Tillerson uh, was not uh, enthusiastic about this move and tried to discourage the president. Um, where, it, 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 what, what was Vice President Pence's role in getting this done? 
Well, when I spoke to him last night and thanked him, uh, he was very modest, and he said, no, it's the president, it's the president, he's, he's so humble, and, but we do know that he was a very positive force in this process and has been extremely supportive of the of positive U.S.-Israel relations, and he's going, at the end of next, he's going next week, I think, um, uh, to, to Israel. I know he's going to be lighting a menorah at the Kotel and doing other things, um, so he did play a supportive role. Obviously, the key three, um, Ambassador Friedman, Jason Greenblatt, and Jared Kushner, I think were all very positive forces in it. But most of all, I think it was the president who, who really wanted to do it and was the ultimate decision maker. There were naysayers. There were people who were opposed, who were concerned, not, be, some, not because they didn't want to see the embassy move, but because they were concerned about the consequences. And, and again, that's why I put the emphasis in the beginning about the violence. Right. Because, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You keep saying there's going to be, and there's going to be, rather than saying we will not tolerate. Yeah. And we know that the leaders, when they want, they can, they can do a lot to keep their seats quiet and stop the incitement. Today is the critical day. We have to see what happens at the fri- in the aftermath of the Friday prayers. Um, that is the, the, the most right. significant. They've had demonstrations, but by and large... Right, we're already hearing about activity at Charshem, but a lot of that is typical. A lot of that is not, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, exceptional for a day like today. And also, you have to remember that back in May, uh, Jerusalem 50, they threatened. Back at the at the uh, controversy in Harabaya with the metal detectors, they threatened. I don't know. And I saw, by the way, a, 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 an opinion piece that you had published in the Daily Alert, uh, which, which discusses how the Arab street, or whatever we call it, the Palestinian street, as you've referred to it often, uh, may not be as enthusiastic about these issues as they were years ago. And it may be hard for the majority, I'm not talking about the extremists who are on the street rioting, but it may be hard for the majority of them to be turned on by their leaders to go and and participate in days of rage at this point. They're exhausted about these issues. The one thing that rallies them is if you say Al-Aqsa is under siege, meaning the, the Temple Mount. and the, um, But on this issue, you don't see... And you didn't see immediate responses, uh, you know, uh, they're saying, so it's a three days of protest, which were pretty muted uh, overall. And the um, and, and even the Arab leaders, that I, mean, I mean, their message was, look, we, we don't care where the embassy is. As Tillerson said, they woke up the next day and nothing has changed on the ground. Right. And by the way, Tillerson did put out a statement yesterday that, um, that this is really the, the 1995 law being uh, enacted that there were many affirmations. The last vote this summer was 90 to nothing uh, in the Senate. So he's just carrying out the will of the American people. And then, of course, all the caveats about what the president said about the conditions uh, right. for it. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at com on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmlein's with us, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents, major American Jewish organizations. He has declared and confirmed what I've been saying all week. It's a week of celebration uh, here in the uh, Jewish world. A comment line at the White House, 202-456-1111, as we continue to encourage people to thank the president, 202-456-1111. Email by uh, going to whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact. As we mentioned earlier, you could use the snail mail address at the White House uh, even in 2017 as well. All right, a couple of things that people need to know. I just mentioned history. Uh, was I right telling my children and were the rabbis who were 
who were uh, active in this uh, issue, who told their students and told their congregants and teachers out there who told their students that that they are living uh, through a historic day, that this is you know no need to look back 100 years at Balfour Day, no need to look back 70 years for partition or even the Six-Day War 50 years ago, that they themselves now have lived through a significant day in modern Jewish history? A hundred percent. And I hope in every yeshiva, every school, they talk about it to... to emphasize if we pray three times a day about Yerushalayim, and so many times Yerushalayim is mentioned in our tefillot, if we're serious about it, that this is a, a, an opportunity to talk, and it's not a, a political choice. This is uh, clearly uh, um, the essential uh, thing to do today. This is a great teaching opportunity, uh, and reminding them and giving them the context, the history uh, of Yerushalayim, which unfortunately our kids don't know, and especially in the context of Hanukkah, it's a great opportunity for them to to revisit it. That's what the president spoke about yesterday, and people who did not see his comments uh, should really um, they can get it at the dailyalert.org, which also has a lot of good articles about about uh, the, you know the importance of the signing and the Czech Republic now talks about wanting to move their embassy and you know that the Russians already had acknowledged Jerusalem as uh, as the embassy for people who don't remember but uh, as you said this is an opportunity for for talking about 3300 years of Jewish history and to talk about the thousand years when the temple stood and and the as a makom tefillah at the you know that Lashana Baba Yerushalayim has a reason why we didn't say Lashana Baba Tel Aviv. Yeah, that uh, these things, um, but but also to remind the way those those who who keep saying you know that what this will lead to, the, the you know the the non implementation of the ninety five Act didn't advance the peace process. It radicalized the expectations of the Arabs even more, and the you know the the feeling that they could by pressure by their actions. Um, uh, bring about even a greater uh, um, uh, declination in the part of the American of America. So, uh, for those who who have put forward arguments in the press and the media, talk to the kids about this as well. That yeah. this is not an anti-peace move. The the veto of the UN Security Council resolution, you remember, condemning uh, Israel's settlements, mm-hmm. it wasn't followed by anti-Israel terrorism. When the president recently went to the Kotel, put on a yarmulke, said to him, declared it a Jewish holy site after the UNESCO votes, after everything, not one demonstration, not one. So, all, as you said, the assertions about the Arab Street, which we which we discuss and which is always used in, as, some, as a democracy sword over us, <coughs> should remember that this is this is the only ways to try to deter us and to to remind that and as I said in my speech at the Knesset this week, no more grasshoppers. We're not grasshoppers in our eyes and we're not gonna let them make us feel like we are. Oh, I love the Miraglim reference. Excellent. And by the way, it's the US also in a way who participates in the in the um uh in the hysterical uh, uh, reaction uh, to all of this, the the travel ban, and I don't know if you discussed this with yesterday, you know, yesterday with anybody in Washington, but I, I don't know, was the travel ban necessary in in, in lieu of the, you know, in advance of the president's uh, announcement this week? Say it again. The travel ban was it necessary to you know that where there was an official? I, I believe there was an official U.S. or State Department travel ban to certain areas of. No, Jew- no, there is a, there's a legal requirement in that regard because there was one time when the when the State Department didn't warn people about a certain stance. 
and then they were sued. So uh, whenever there is, uh, if they have a warning, they have to communicate it to their people. So it was not a political announcement. It was. It was a no. It was not. It was a practical announcement, not a political one. Uh, Also, a couple other curiosities that people have. Um, you mentioned the Czechs. Have others, and you're always in contact with representatives from countries all around the world, have others expressed an interest moving the, indus- the industry, the embassy, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Are there any other names of countries that where you would say, you know, it's likely or they've expressed, you know, enthusiasm to move their embassy at this point? Well, remember that before 67, I think 16 or 17 countries had embassies in Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, many of them still own the buildings there, so it wouldn't take much. And I- I'm hopeful that others, maybe countries like Cyprus, some of the Africans, maybe others will have the courage and the guts to follow the American uh, uh, example. And the Czech Republic has been very supportive of Israel and strong relationship. Right. Uh, maybe they will. I-, I don't anticipate that an Arab country is going to do that now and wouldn't pressure them for it. Uh, I think right now let's get the American embassy up and functioning and others will come because they all come there anyway. Uh, I, I had, um, we had a meeting with Henry Kissinger this week, and he, he pointed out that with all the visits he's made, and, and as secretary and as national security advisor, you know, the shuttle diplomacy that he did, he never was in the embassy in Tel Aviv. <laughs> never. He said, I never walked in there. I've never been in there. That's hilarious. But that's that. all the world leaders today come to Jerusalem. There was a time when they would say, oh, we'll only meet in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv. And, and and it was broken years back, and now they go to the Kotel, which was something they didn't do either because that was, you know, in occupied territory. So gradually there has been a change in the President Clinton did it. Others did. Democrats, Republicans uh, all deserve credit for that. And, uh, and, and everybody who wants to do business, you do it in, in Jerusalem. And the, the administration, the government, especially Netanyahu, but others also, um, said, you want to see us? I think Begin was the one uh, who started it. You want to see me? You got to come there. You don't, you know, we won't have a meeting. So hotel rooms and parking spaces will even be more at a premium in Jerusalem than they have been. It could well be that uh, you will, will find, uh, I, and you should know that uh, Yom Atzimut this year, most of the hotels are already sold out. Yep. We know it. <laughs> Believe me, we know it. Oh. <laughs> For those of us who wait till the last minute, we know it. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But, uh, it is unbelievable. Uh, and that could be you know, re- replicated on a daily basis once the embassy is moved there and there's so much more activity. Hotel rooms, parking spaces, who knows? Maybe well, I don't think I, I wish it, it won't have that profound an impact in terms of, of the uh, people who, because the people who work at the embassy you know, live in Israel anyway right. or have places there. Right. And, uh, and again, this is years off, but you know, some of the bigger properties could well be uh, you know, going up now for, for uh, higher prices because they'll be looking for residences for embassies. But I would not be concerned about a rush on real estate right now. For, those who, for those who ask you why he didn't do it a year ago, why you know, January 20th of this year, or 21st, you know, uh, the, pro- the president didn't uh, set this into action and immediately, you know, show the world. And by the way, there's a precedent. We- we've seen presidents and other government officials who've made campaign promises literally take care of it within the first 24 hours. In this city, we certainly know that if you think back to the Giuliani era. Uh, so uh, if someone asks you, you know, why not, why not then instead of today, what would you say? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you might help me conjecture here. Maybe he was here. busy. You know? <laughs> I thought you might help me conjecture uh, again, here. Again, I don't think it's time to question. It's a 
time to think. And he said he had to be the right time. And he said, you know, it's always right. And this is this is the thing to do. And uh, it should have been done many years ago. It would not have impeded anything. And I think the, as I said to you, that the message has to be get on board or else you're you're going to be left behind. Malcolm, I pointed out this week, and I'm sorry for giving any attention to the New York Times, but sometimes it's so frustrating. And by the way, I knew it was a week of celebration because I saw how much the New York Times freaked out. So at least that helped me in confirming <laughs> that it's a big week of celebration. Uh, but if you, I believe if you were handed uh, as a journalism student in any reputable journalism school in this country an assignment this week to sum up in a headline what happened in Washington on Wednesday – uh, I think most people could come up with it, a pretty accurate headline, even those who are you know, not in favor of, uh, of what the president did. Uh, but the New York Times, I think, would have failed the assignment because their headline was, President Calls Jerusalem Shift, quote, the right thing. Don't you consider that bizarre in terms of uh, the context of what really happened on Wednesday? No, it's not the worst they could have done. I'm surprised that it was <laughs> even that mild. That's true. But, but I must say, even the Wall Street Journal, others... Uh, you know, uh, violence rages or chaos or, or headlines, you know, that don't talk about the historic significance of this moment. But, you know, uh, again, the threat of violence and, you know, rage across the whole Middle East. It's no rage. They've got other problems they're, they're dealing with. There'll be rage if the government's wanted. As somebody pointed out to me, you know, these are not democracies. When the governments want to stoke violence, they know how to do it when they want to control or to calm it. And they know they pay a price. If you have violence in these places, in Jordan, in, in the Palestinian Authority, if, uh, uh, anywhere else, they, they, they pay the price for it. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, the, the threat of another intifada. I don't see the ingredients here right. for an intifada. Hamas, I'm sure, will try to do stuff, and others may stoke it. My bigger concern is that, that you know, some imam gives a fiery speech and an individual or somebody goes decides to go out and and um, manifested his anger in in some way and they should be saying we're not going to tolerate it uh they have to say it not just israel yeah one of our commenters on the app would like clarification as do i about vice president pence because the real question is uh, you know we, we wonder which constituents the president was trying to uh uh, to find favor with, and the evangelical community is obviously one that's a that's you know that are big Trump supporters. Do you think that they uh, that they were, that that he had them in mind, and that that was uh, the driving force behind all of this? Absolutely, they played a very critical role. I can't say that their motivation, you know, the ninety-five law, we did, we had support from from uh, Christian community, and certainly the members of the Senate and the House who vote for this are overwhelmingly not Jewish and not necessarily evangelical. Uh, you know, we shouldn't just box this into that. They're, they're, the media and others are trying to characterize this as a right wing, as a you know, the Christian evangelical extremists. They're normal Christian citizens. There are tens of millions of them in America. The, the mischaracterization, the, the, the you know, character assassination that goes on in this regard is, is uh, quite outrageous. You can have differences of view. People can have reservations about the timing, the nature. You know, I haven't heard anybody give a, a really good reason uh, so far about why why they're they're opposed to it, but. You know, we shouldn't allow them to say that this is a restrictive view. The polls show that the American people overwhelmingly support this, the people of Israel across the board. And when some people complain about the marginalization stuff, they have to look. When they take positions that go against the views of almost, as far as I know, every political party in Israel saluted it and, 
and celebrated the decision. And what do you say? Well, okay, but what do you say to those American Jewish groups that were vocal against what had happened? Many of whom are members, frankly, of the Conference of there Presidents. There are many. I, I think that is not the case. There were some uh, who expressed reservation about the timing, saying it should come in the context of peace process. You know, people are entitled to their views. They're entitled to it, but I think it's a mistake not to celebrate, not to use this to 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 talk to our young people. Those who want to go another direction, I think, in the long term, that they that it'll be detrimental for for for, for them and their credibility. Mm, all right. Um, what does this do in terms of? Does it do anything in terms of the overall situation in the Middle East? We see Nasrallah's reaction. I did Iran have a public reaction to this? Oh, yes, and there were demonstrations in Iran, and, uh, you know, they were fomenting this, and they would like to have seen uh, much more Hamas, as I said, called it a, a, a declaration of war. Uh, there were many other statements that came out, the Dachlan, you know, the, the, these, uh, remember, they're all jockeying for their own internal political purposes. You know, Dachlan wants to assert himself in Gaza. Um, uh, Abbas wants to show both sides that he can be, you know, that he's not falling victim to the pressures of America or the you know the process. This is, a lot of this has to do just with their own internal politics and uh, and jockeying uh, without I think a necessary long term uh, consequence. It has to be done the right way. I don't think you you you, you shove it into people's faces. I don't think you you uh, abuse the privilege that we have this week. You got to do it the right way, but at, but at the same time, we have to celebrate it. We have to show yeah. the world that we appreciate it, that we're we're there. You know, there's so many things going on in the Middle East that uh, trust me, the, the Jerusalem issue. You hardly nobody's talking about what's happening with the Houthis, the attacks, what's happening, you know, still in Saudi Arabia, what's what's going on in in the Gulf, and Iran in the meantime keeps expanding its footprint. So does Turkey. You know there are are radical changes uh, uh, taking place, and um, and it, it gets very little attention from the international media. But this decision becomes so obsessive about the you know hostile coverage and looking for spokespeople who they know will only say something you know that is negative about the decision. Malcolm, do you know how much we've been celebrating here? I mean, could I tell you just how much we've been celebrating? No, I know you. I know you have. I, I was talking about in the general. I know. The I know. But I, I, and, I, I didn't and want I know to... you have a broad audience, and millions of people are, are are following it. But you know, there's still a couple billion others that we have to reach in this process. I totally and, agree with that. I was I was struck this morning. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, I was struck this morning because Danny Danone told us yesterday that today there'll be an emergency session of the Security Council about this issue. Mm-hmm. And, and this morning at 4.45, I saw the Boko Haram article in today's New York Times. I don't know if you read it yet, but it is horrifying. And that is what they're taking up in the U.N. today, Jerusalem, instead of dealing with, with young kids that are, that are being either murdered or enslaved by these terrorists. And and the continued existence of ISIS and the violations of the UN Security Council resolutions by in so many of these instances, and yet you know the, the and the movement of missiles and Iran supplying Hezbollah with weapons and you know into and the buildups in Syria and they're building bases and the changes on the ground and the ethnic uh, population uh, cleansing that is going on by them. None of it gets gets uh, a strong. You know, today there's a really important story 
that uh, is raking in some of the papers, at least carried it, that a, a judge um, in uh, in Argentina indicted the former president, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, on treason charges and, and wants her arrest because they're saying that she covered up the Iran's involvement in the 94 bombings of the Amia Jewish uh, Community Center. Wow. They killed 85 people, and, and she thought she was going to get this great trade deal and they, there were raids this week, and they arrested three of her former aides, and uh, uh, and Hector Timmerman, who was her former foreign, foreign minister, whose father was saved by pressure of the Jewish community, uh, was put under house arrest. And they, the court is asking that they take away her immunity from prosecution, and because she's a sitting senator, she has uh, immunity right now. Uh, but the you know the murder of Miss Nisman, uh, a Jew who who was uh, yeah. uh, the prosecutor who had accused Fernandez, and the day he was about to testify, you know, they said, oh, he he killed himself, which was clearly a lie from day one. Now it's verified that he was murdered. This is an important story. Think of it: the former president now, as president, is indicted. We know Iran was involved. We know that. Uh, officials in Iran have been named and put a, given a red letter by Interpol, but nobody's done anything with them. And to them, this is a big story. But uh, you know, again, it, it will not be given the proper attention. Well, not when there needs to be a condemnation of uh, the United States' decision on Jerusalem. That's right. I mean, you can't do both. Unbelievable. Um, and I hope that I mean, as we continue to encourage people to call the White House and to write to the White House. I hope the president does get, and this you could tell us because you saw him this week, I hope he's getting the idea that there's tremendous appreciation among the people who are Israel-loving people in the United States. This doesn't come from him, but I would say not enough. Right. I, I'm sure it's not enough. What could, what could motivate our community, aside from me begging them to do it, what can motivate our community to understand they have an obligation that every single person has an obligation to thank the president? He should be flooded with mail this week. And, and every- I, I understand, you know, the Democrats who don't like him on other grounds or Republicans who may disagree with him on other grounds. you got to put it aside. When if somebody does the right thing, a karatato recognition of the good does not, is not limited by geography, by political party, whatever. You know, when President Obama did the right thing, we encouraged Republicans to come out and, right. and to thank him and to support him for it. When President Bush or President Clinton did it, we tried not to allow partisan politics to dictate. But today we are in a very heated political environment. And, um, you know, everything is seen through the lenses and uh, of that and through the media filter. So people, hopefully all of your listeners, will, will get the uh, this memo. The, it's a very concise memo with the language. All you got to do is sort of click on it, I think, and it sends a message to the White House for you. Uh, so let's see. Let's see all the people out there, how many of them will respond to this call. Essentially what you're saying is that every rabbi, from Hasidic to modern to secular, across the board, has an obligation, this Shabbos, to tell their congregation that they have already contacted the White House and expressed appreciation, and that everybody sitting in front of them has an obligation to contact the White House and express appreciation. Every rabbi. Absolutely. So they reminded the words in the Gemara that say, Omar Yushalayim, Omar Kum, that somebody said Yushalayim doesn't mean anything, because it means that if we just say it in our fields and we talk about the return to Jews and we talk about building Yushalayim, and you don't do anything, and especially an opportunity like this, then it shows you don't really mean it. And that's the test now. Do we mean it, 
or not. If you mean it, make your voice heard. Here's our chance. If you mean it, 202-456-1111. That is the White House comment line, 202-456-1111. You could email by going to whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact. And as we said earlier, the White House has an address at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20500. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Mazel Tov, Shech Yanu, Hashem. Malcolm, it's a week of celebration for the Jewish world. Let's make sure that every generation knows it and every generation appreciates it. Absolutely right, and and I will tell if people want to call my office two one two three one eight six one one one, we will send them the memo to facilitate it because it's the language is all there, or or we'll send you an email that you just have to click it through two one two three one eight six one one one. And, and I, I assume because I know that when we tell people to write and you don't give them the language and the thing, right. they, they don't do it. So Correct. this way, we're facilitating it to you, and you put you on the list to receive all these notices. We sent out one this week also to encourage people to let. To contact our senators to support the Taylor Force Act, which will stop uh, funding for the uh, partial funding for the PA until they stop giving money to terrorists. You know, make your voices heard, and we make it simple for you now. So, if you want it, two one two three one eight six one one one, and we will take your information and send you an email, which you can simply uh, click on and, and send your message. And I assume people could actually use the contact uh, link as well on conferenceofpresidents.org. It's probably another way that they can contact your office and uh, right and get that going. All right. Uh, a wonderful Shabbos. Happy Hanukkah. We'll save your Hanukkah message for Shabbos Hanukkah next week. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, again, congratulations, Mazal Tov, and, uh, and have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Thank you. Have a good, great job. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update, 740 Eastern Time, every Friday here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev is one of those very challenging parshios. Doesn't get easier from year to year. How could the brothers sell Yosef? We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Can't guarantee we're going to answer it, but we'll talk about Parshas Vayeshev. I just want to review some of the basic laws of Hanukkah, because after all, please God, this coming Tuesday night, we begin the eight days of Hanukkah. Now, it's interesting that the Rambam's uh, monumental work, his Mishnah Torah, which is really a very clear, concise presentation of Jewish law, is not a history book. Yet the Rambam begins the laws of Hanukkah by quoting the Gemara in Shabbos 21b, which gives us the basic story of telling us what happened, that when the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the oil in the sanctuary. 
And when the Hashmonoyim proved victorious, they discovered but one undisturbed jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. But there was only enough oil to burn for one day. A miracle occurred, and they kindled with it for eight days. And the following year, they established these eight days and made them a festival for Hallel, for praise, and Hoda'a al-Hanisim, thanksgiving. Now the question is, why is this placed at the beginning of the laws of Hanukkah? And the answer we have to know is that the essence of Hanukkah is not only to light the menorah, as we shall speak, but to publicize the miracle. So we need to know ourselves what is the story and what we're publicizing, what we're telling the world. And this is a very important ingredient of Hanukkah, the concept of Pursume Nisa, publicizing the miracle. And before we get into any of the laws, I just want to remind everyone, what is Hanukkah? Hanukkah represents the clash between Hellenism and Judaism as to whether or not there is a concept called Kedusha, holiness, in this world. Namely, the Hellenist Greek philosophy of the day was no, there is no such thing as holiness. Therefore, when we do a bris, right before the moel takes the knife, he says bris kodesh. We believe we are literally adding sanctity to the human body. Comes along the Greeks and forbade circumcision, gewalt. They said you are mutilating the beautiful body. They were not disturbed that we had a temple. They were disturbed that they could not go as far as a Jew could go because, as we're taught in the Mishnah, in Midos, there was a partition in the Beis HaMikdash because, as Shlomo HaMelech said, my home is a home which is open for prayer to all peoples. However, they could not go as far as a Jew could go. And this bothered them. And what did they do? They made 13 pirotzot. They made 13 breaches in the partition. They didn't destroy the temple as the Romans did, but they let the Jewish people know how dissatisfied they were with this quote-unquote partition, which puts them in a position inferior, so they thought, to the Jew. And this was because they could not acknowledge or accept the concept of Kedusha. And that's why when we light 
the candles, as we light them each night, we recite Haneros Halolu Kodeshem. These candles are holy, because after all, they lit candles every night. They had no electricity. If you could use these lights, there'd be no difference between the lights on the night of Hanukkah and the night the lights all year long. And therefore, Haneros Halolu Kodeshem the these lights are holy and we don't have the right to get any benefit from them. Moreover, the rabbis tell us that the lighting of Amenorah is akin to the lighting of the menorah in the base of Migdash, and just as from the menorah in the base of Migdash one was not permitted to gain any personal uh, pleasure, so too from the Ner Hanukkah. Who's obligated in the Ner Hanukkah? Men, women, and children who have reached an age of chinuch, of education. Women are obligated because, as the Talmud teaches us, they too were in the uh, miracle in the sense that the charge against the Jewish people, that they would not be involved in their Torah, did not, were not to keep Shabbos, were not to circumcise, were not to follow the Jewish calendar. This applied to women as well. Moreover, Tostos teaches, as we know, it was Yehudis, the daughter of Yochanan Kohen Gadol, who actually helped spurn the military victory by decapitating the general, for they had that incredibly horrific law that a bride on a wedding night was first to go to the local governor, and she decapitated him, thereby telling her dad and the rest of the Chashmonoyim time to act. On the first night of Hanukkah, we recite three blessings before we light the candle. The first one is Lahadlik Ne'er, a bracha of mitzvah, the second one, Sha'asa Nisim, thanking God for the miracles. And the miracles are in two. Number one, as we say, the Alhanisim, the incredible miracle of our winning the war with their being in the great majority and we being the, their being the many, we're being the few. And finally, the Bracha of Shehechianu. <clears throat> facing the menorah on the first night the meno- the candle is on or the oil on your extreme right each night you put them in from right to left and you light them from left to right there is to be enough fuel to burn for a half an hour the ideal time to light the menorah is at the end of Shkia, at the beginning of Tseis which is between 
New York time between 5 and 5.10 this time of the year. We'll speak about, please God, the Friday night of Hanukkah next week. Be aware that the earliest that you could light near Hanukkah, if one was really in a pinch, is Plag HaMincha, which is approximately uh, this time of the year, 3.30, an hour and a quarter before sunset. But if you were to light that early, there would have to be enough candle or fuel to burn that half an hour after the proper time, which is at the end of sunset, beginning of Tzais, when the stars come out, from at least 5 till 5.30. To when can one light? <coughs> because there is this element of Pursume Nisa, of publicizing the miracle, and since people are out of doors and um, people are traveling, as long as people can see the menorah, one can light. As long as people are up in one's household, one could light. Ideally, somebody else should be there when the menorah is lit. We include in the Shemona Esrei Alhanisim. If one neglected to say Alhanisim, one does not have to repeat the Shemona Esrei. We have it in the Birkas HaMazon, and except for Shabbos, which we'll talk about next week, one does not have to repeat the Birkas HaMazon for Al-Hanisim. And finally, we delete during the uh, eight days of Hanukkah, we delete Tachanun, we don't say Tzikascha, we don't say Lamnatseach, and we do say the complete Hallel each and every day of Hanukkah. I'd like to <coughs> share with you one very important idea that emerges from Parshas Vayeshev, and that is the moving along of the destiny of the Jewish people. Yaakov sends Yosef to see how his brothers are doing in Shechem. He can't find them. He has every right to go back to his father because they're not in Shechem. I went where you told me they weren't there. But the Torah tells us in chapter 37, 15, Vayim ish, and literally a man discovered him. Who, what, when, where, what's this man doing in the middle of the field, out of nowheres? And Yosef is literally from Lundgen. He's looking around in the field. So the man says to him, tell me, what are you looking for? Yosef says, my brothers. And perhaps, do you know, asks Yosef where they are? Just so happens, says the man, 
they've traveled from here because I heard and I should know I can tell you that they're going to Dosan. Sure enough, Yosef goes to Dosan and the rest is history. They sell him, he goes down to Mitzrayim. Stop! Who is this man? So Rashi says, This is the angel Gavriel. What is happening? In chapter 15 of the book of Bereshis, God said to Avraham, you should know with absolute surety that your progeny, your children, are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs. And they're going to be enslaved. And they're going to be persecuted. For a total of 400 years. This is God's plan. The man, the angel Gavriel, that God planted there to be at the right place at the right time is what literally is moving history slash destiny along. And that is so important. And that is Hanukkah. What does that mean? It means that unfortunately when the Greeks overran the Migdash, when there was a horrific threat against the very survival of the Jewish people because of, as we spoke about, is there sanctity in this world or not? And once again, God gave the Jewish people what I call a divine wink, not only by enabling us to win the war, for which Moshe in Parshas Zos Habracha, when he blesses the Jewish people right before he takes leave of them, right before he dies, and when he blesses the tribe of Levi, he has a specific blessing, which you'll look in the Rashi, whereby Moshe sees in the prophetic future that there is going to be, unfortunately, the war against the um, Greeks. And he says, Borech Hashem Chelo, Ufoal Yodov Tertzer, Mechatz Mosnaim Komov, Umisanov Minyakumun. What does that mean? It means that God should help him in battle, he saw that the Hashmonoyim are going to fight against the Greeks, and they're going to be so outnumbered, 12 of the Hashmonoyim are going to defeat Kamor Rivavos, many tens of thousands, and even if you say that these 12 are generals, over the small band that they had. This was an incredible military victory that Moshe specifically prays for. This is God proving to the world that he has not forsaken the Jewish people. The Talmud tells us that the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash had seven branches and Every evening, the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen, excuse me, would light the menorah, and the same amount of oil was put in each cup. The middle cup, the middle branch, 
not only did it make it through the night like all the others, but it continued to burn and burn and burn throughout the day, every single day. This was Eidos. This was testimony, says the Talmud, that God is amidst the Jewish people. This was a divine wink which God gave the Jewish people at Hanukkah again by having the miracle with the oil, by saying to them, I am still with you, the Jewish people. I think I would be remiss if I did not thank Mr. Trump for the very special Hanukkah present he gave the Jewish people by formally recognizing Yerushalayim as the capital of the state of Israel. Dovra Melech already told us in Tilim 48 that Yerushalayim is Kiryas Melech Rav. Yerushalayim is the great king's city. And we're not just talking about the city of the Malchus based David, the city of the royalty of the house of David, but we're talking now about the house of God. The base Hamigdash was two of them in the city of Yerushalayim. The third base Hamigdash will be in Yerushalayim. And so when we hear Yerushalayim, this is Hanukkah. We hear Kodesh. You should know that when we will bring the Korban Pesach, so the Korban Pesach was not eaten in the Beis Hamikdash. The Korban Pesach was eaten in Yerushalayim. Because Yerushalayim is an extension of the Mikdash. Yerushalayim is an extension of holiness. And to Jews throughout the world, certainly those that pray every day that we should and we ask God to be restored to Yerushalayim may you to Jerusalem, your city may you return in compassion every single day but listen carefully Jews throughout the world who unfortunately do not pray every day Now I hope they're going to ask, what's the difference, Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? And there is one very major answer, and that is that Tel Aviv, like all the other cities in Israel, has a certain amount of sanctity. But Jerusalem has much more sanctity, this being the location that God himself chose. This is where the, quote, destiny of the Jewish people. Abraham did the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, at Jerusalem, at Maria, where the first two temples were. And this is where, please God, literally, the angel moved along the early part of our history, and we believe we are living in very special times that the entire world will come to recognize the Kedusha, the sanctity of Yerushalayim. Thank you, Mr. Trump, for this very special Hanukkah present and Shabbat Shalom and a Freilacha Hanukkah to all. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev. Thanks to you didn't candlelighting time at 4.09 here in New York. On this Erev Shabbos, saying Shabbat Shalom to everybody in Israel. We're soon 
It will be candlelighting time. Reminder to everybody here, 9 a.m. Eastern time, top of the hour, Naomi Nachman with our Table for Two program. She'll have cookbook author Miriam Pascal and marketing manager of Brooklyn's new Allen B. Restaurant, Adina Schloss, on at 10 a.m. Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, plus the Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Today is one of those days. You want to keep it on the Nachum Siegel Network all day long. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn is with us up early in Los Angeles. He is the rabbi at Yeshiva Yavne in Los Angeles, which is a yeshiva and a synagogue, and he is somebody, Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn is, he is somebody who is missed terribly here in the New York area, but that's not the purpose of today's conversation. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. Thank you so much. Great to be back on. We're gonna have Great to. to we're gonna have to. Bes- we're gonna have to postpone my usual lament that you're not in New York for another time, if that's okay. Okay, good. That's <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, no we've been, we've been reading and seeing and hearing and really watching in horror about what's going on in Los Angeles regarding the fires. Was curious if you can give us some type of update and. Uh, you know, as is usually the case when it comes to our community, we have greatest concern uh, for our brothers and sisters who are living in the Los Angeles area. Rabbi Einhorn, what can you tell us? Hi. Okay. I'm. What's happening now is, um, you know, around this time, you know, California often has what's called the Santa Ana winds, and the dryness of these winds are just causing, you know, sporadic and random fires to, you know, move and move quickly and spread quickly, and and because of that much of the area that we call the valley or that's known as the valley here in Los Angeles and spreading even further, much further at this point, um, is just totally ablaze. Um, the Nafkamina being, I mean, the, the practical difference in terms of our community, um, the valley yeshiva schools are actually shut down. They close down for the entire week. Um, so Emek, which is a day school in the valley, uh, Valley Torah High School, um, totally shut down. Uh, Ventura, everyone was asked yesterday to evacuate um, their homes. Wow. Uh, you know, not in terms of, uh, you know, threatened threat to life, but in terms of ramification. For example, the air of which is almost never down uh, these days in California, Los Angeles at least, um, is is down. You know, it's, there's no way to check on it. There's nothing There's nothing to even talk about. Right. So that air, that air of is down. Um, but in terms of people's lives, um, it, it's scary. You know, uh, you know, right now we're dealing with evacuating. Most people are dealing with evacuating horses in time. Um, humans have been able to get out, uh, you know, quite quickly, but, um, you know, no one knows when this is going to stop. There is no good answer as to when this is going to stop. And I'm just trying to get a perspective in terms of the community that you lead, uh, the Jewish communities in general in that area, has any in particular been hard hit? Has the, have the fires avoided for the most part, major damage in those areas? How would you classify it? Yeah. In the area we call the city itself, which covers Hancock Park, Pico Robertson, um, the fires, you know, have not come close yet. Um, you know, for example, we had in our school, everyone had to have recess indoors because right. you step outside, you could smell. You smell the smoke. Kids are coughing. Um, so that's as far as it's reached, thank God, at this point, um, our area. Um, but there are, are, you know, our schools and the other schools in the area have kids who come in from the valley. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, they have no way of getting in. They're stuck. And, um, or some of them, Dopka, are sending their kids early and get them out of that area. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's scary for a lot of families, a lot of people who have lives out there, a lot of people who have their, their memories out there, um, you know, parcel by parcel, that stuff is just going. Unbelievable. Um, we as a community, and you know, this from our Jewish unity initiative from Houston and a whole bunch of other times, uh, whenever there's a natural disaster, our community around the world likes to respond. If asked, if it's necessary at this point, 
Uh, is there an effort to, in fact, ask people uh, for financial support for, for people who are in difficult circumstances, or we haven't reached that point yet? Well, the, 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 you know, the collection point has not been set up, but um, it's gonna, it, it, I would say get everyone on call on standby because it's going to need a, a lot of resource to help a lot of people out, um, you know, because um, this, this, is, this is still going. This is definitely still going, Nachum. It's not. Uh, there's no sign that it's abating um, right now. The firefighters can't even keep up with this speed. So, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely the Jewish community is going to need some assistance out there from Achenu, uh, you know, Achenu all over the world. But, so, so, uh, the, so the firefighting experts can't even conjecture or give an estimate as to when this might slow down. No, I mean, I even saw a, uh, you know, I even saw earlier this morning that it said that uh, there was a report that said that. Um, asking people to stay out, you know, indefinitely. Um, Gosh. They never do that. We don't know what indefinitely means with people living in homes there. So, you know, we don't know how long it's spreading. And there's even, uh, you know, reports that this can go as far as Santa Barbara and San Diego. That's a tremendous amount of reach for, for fires and, and separate and disparate random fires all working together. Unbelievable. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn's with us from Los Angeles. We keep hearing about Bel Air, and obviously it's getting a lot of attention because of the uh, uh, the wealth that's in that neighborhood, etc. Is our community represented in that area, or not generally? It sure is. No, it sure is. It definitely is. Um, we have uh, families in our school from that area. Oh, I mean, yeah. the you know for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would imagine a large percentage of the Bel Air community actually is um, Jewish as well, and uh, and certainly um, you know uh, from families that are there as well. I mean, there's. Uh, you know, it's a it's well represented in our community, and is, and isn't and this may sound I don't know somewhat naive, but isn't it isn't it um, frightening to drive on a highway when it seems to us via the videos that it looks like you're you're literally driving into a fire? Yeah, I, I mean they keep <laughs> that image they keep replaying of people with a whole backdrop of right. fire. You know, it, it's um, again everyone's been evacuated from those areas. You should, no one should be driving in those areas close to the fire. I mean, you have the Skirball Museum is the fires are right around the Skirball Museum, um, you know, which is an amazing collection. You know, there, there's it's scary, but uh, you know, when you're on the freeway itself right now, the fire's a little bit further back, so it doesn't it doesn't look as intense as a couple of those images do with the people driving and the fire like catching up to them. Unbelievable, Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn in Los Angeles. Do you have? Are you having an internal debate? Um, and I mean debate with yourself. Uh, not, not with those in your organization, about whether to uh, address the congregation tomorrow regarding fire or regarding uh, the uh, uh, the action by President Trump this week in Washington? You know what? It, it, it's, there's certain things you can't ignore. They're too momentous to ignore. But i got to figure out how to get that in the fact that we have a bar mitzvah, a scholar in residence, um, a baby naming, but those things are all going to have to go together because these are momentous, both in different ways. Um, what happened with President Trump this week? You can't. I, there's no rabbi that I can imagine will will be able to ignore that one way or the other. Right. And just for anybody in Los Angeles, so there has to be a sensitivity, at least maybe a mishaberach. Maybe that's the way I would actually do a mishaberach and davening tomorrow for those uh, affected by the fire. Right. And uh, and then you know tie in the baby naming with President Trump's uh, Yerushalayim. <laughs> who's your uh, Who's your scholar in residence? Uh, Dr. Scott Goldberg. You know. Uh, oh yeah, we know Scott. Sure. Uh, you know, leading a you know a teacher's teacher. One of yeah. 
we have training teachers around the country. Hundred percent, and knowing him, he'll have plenty of Tanakh references for you about both events. So, okay, good. Then we're good. <laughs> you should be fine, Rabbi Einhorn. Our yes. our best to everybody out there. We are, uh, as we always say, the collective Jewish heart is in pain because we see what some of our brothers and sisters are going through out there. So, just everybody out there should know that. If you if you'd even mention to people out there that we were in touch, it would be flattering because I need people in L.A. to know, like other cities that we've uh, connected with, uh, to know that there are Jewish brethren around the world who care about them. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate that. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn, he is the rabbi at the uh, Yeshiva Yavna in Los Angeles, both the school and the synagogue. And obviously we are looking with uh, tremendous horror, but obviously with even more concern about our brothers and sisters out in the Los Angeles area. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, plenty more coming up. Someone pointed out earlier that this is a song from this week's Parsha. It's Mordechai Ben David at JM in the AM.
Mordechai ben David, Esachai, words from this week's Parsha. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM with candle lighting at 4.09. Reminder, contact the White House after this amazing week. Let President Trump know what kind of great week of celebration he has set off with that amazing announcement about Jerusalem and recognition by the United States of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Um, phone number at the White House, 202 456 one 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 one. Uh, email by going to whitehouse.gov slash contact, whitehouse.gov slash contact, and write a letter to the White House, President Trump, the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest, capital N, capital W, NW, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, NW, Washington, D.C., 20500, 20 Five zero zero. Time to take your Shabbos with journeys at JM and the AM. They'll fill your home with light, singing songs of Shabbos well into the night. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Go on home and find a gift that's waiting there. It's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JM and the AM. Thanks to everybody for tuning into the NachumSegal Network for all the great celebration this week. And a big thank you to President Trump. Call him at 202 456 
1-1. Candle lighting at 4.09 here in the New York area on this era of Shabbos. Hanukkah begins Tuesday night. Make sure to be with us. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Single with Avrami. JM Sunday with Matis starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. Court Report with Elliot Weiselberg, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And uh, coming up next, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two. Cookbook author Miriam Pascal, marketing manager of Brooklyn's New Allenby restaurant, Adina Schloss, will both join Naomi. And then the Erev Shabbos Show brought to you by Kedem with our friend and colleague Mark Zamek hosting that starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.